a lion and a lamb. Every knee will bow before him. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll go ahead and have a seat. I apologize for that. That was on. I remember when we were testing and I turned it on and you had it muted? Then you unmuted and I turned it off. It's a good team. It's a good team right there. Hi, Deb. Hi, hubby. <laughs> Welcome on this beautiful morning to Mount Zion Church. Has it been a good morning for everybody? Yeah. Wow. Okay, I won't tell you about mine then, okay? <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um, I have announcements today, and we're really excited. Hold on a minute. Really excited about our Easter service. <clears throat> well, from 4 to 7, there's going to be a Good Friday service, and then... <clears throat> It will be a Sunday service, but first there'll be a sunrise service beginning at 6.30 with breakfast immediately following that, and that's always a lot of fun. So, and then our Easter service is 4 to 9 Easter Sunday. What's 4 to 9 Easter Sunday? Oh, April 9th. Oh, my God. That's our Easter service. Okay, on the 9th. So does anybody have any questions? Like, yes. No. No, he's cooking. Okay, oh, Jimmy is cooking. I'll help you, Jimmy, though. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, no, you don't have to bring anything, but that's a great question. Any other questions since I kind of messed that up a little bit? Okay. So, again, we have our sandwich Sunday, April 2nd, and the theme is soup and salads. So, um, bring your favorite soup or your favorite salad and come join us. Yeah downstairs. Don't forget to invite people. It's a great time to invite a friend or a neighbor also. And then one other thing, we have our summit that has changed to Thursday night. So it's going to be Thursday, April 13th from 6 to 7 p.m. Okay? And those are awesome. You can't, if you don't, you walk out of Sunday service different, you walk out of um, the summit, a hundred percent different. Yeah. You really do. So I encourage you all to be there. You know what? When we have things here at Mount Zion Church, it is so much fun when people come. Um, and the more people, do you know what I mean? Then the more people that come. So all these exciting things that we're starting back up again, please invite your friends, your neighbors, even if I have to do this one person I really want to come to church, and I ask her every Sunday, and don't give up, ever. Okay? 
So um, let's, if we haven't meet and greeted already, go ahead and stand up and we have a five minute meet and greet again.
love kids running around. Love kids running around. Love it. Well, thank you so much for paying such close attention to the countdown. Appreciate you. God bless you. Debbie, are you taking the boys? Oh, who's taking the boys? Jimmy, are you taking the boys? After worship. All right. I'm just looking at the three musketeers up there. There's four of them up there. I'm hearing them. Well, God bless you. And uh, before we um, receive your tithes and offerings this morning, uh, Susan wanted to give a quick testimony of what God's been doing in her life lately. So why don't you come up here and uh, preach, preach to us, sister. Right, come on up here so the camera can see you and get the microphone right on you. So there you go. Get the microphone right. Hey, there okay. you go. Um, I've always had a problem with reading. I, I went to a literacy thing and they said I evaluated me at second grade with a problem with my comprehension. And so I just never tried to read. And uh, some friends from church here gave me a Bible study <clears throat> and um, he told me that I really need to get into my word and I explained to him my problem and he told me to pray on that Bible and ask God for that comprehension and to be able to read it so I could apply it to my life. And it worked. And I, I've been reading three pages of Matthews, not just the red, all of it, but, and I really am so proud of myself because uh, <coughs> I really wanted it. I wanted more and it worked. And thank you so much for them and God <laughs> and everybody in this church. You're all expiring, and I love you all. Good job. Amen. God bless you. You know, I want to encourage you this morning. Susan has come so far in the past year. I, I, uh, I ride a line with her about bugging her a little bit too much, and uh, she always responds. But for her to even stand up here, I remember less than a year ago, I couldn't get her to close Wednesday night Bible study and prayer. And now she's up here testifying that God is doing a miracle in her life with her comprehension. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. I know so many people are intimidated. I, I had a relative one time uh, come to me and say, man, read the Bible. You have to be really smart. And I, I, I said, oh, dude, you... You don't know. You, you, it's, it's, I, I use the analogy. I've said it before. It's like Texas Hold'em. It takes a, a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. And the Bible is like that too. But if you seek God, He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He will put rivers and deserts that you don't even know about. And in Susan's case, I believe He has made her shine she just loves him with a, you, you, you know, I, I, I'm going to offend you again. Well, she loves him with a hippie kind of love. She does. <laughs> she has a hippie kind of love for Jesus, and it's beautiful. And uh, I want to encourage you to keep going because you have, God has been doing some wonderful things. And uh, I know, but he's, he's not done with you yet. You've got a lot to do, and uh, we're thankful for that. So do I have someone for tithes and offerings, or is it me?
It's me. It's me. Well, I want to uh, thank you, first of all, for your faithfulness to your tithes and offerings and just uh, ask you to remain faithful. We are entering a season of resurrection. And it's interesting to me that when I see the news and the market reports, it can sometimes feel like our finances are on life support. And many people are. They're struggling. But I've always believed you battle that enemy with generosity. I've never, ever, ever felt bad about being generous. I've never been not provided for. And I know it's because if we're generous, God shows himself generous. The New Testament doesn't talk a lot about tithing. Jesus endorsed it. So therefore, Jesus endorsed it, and I believe it. I believe tithing at 10% is a floor, not a ceiling. Because if you look in the New Testament... It's all about generosity. And if you joined a church, in the first early church, you had to give everything to them. And that's a whole other story where you get zapped. But I'm telling you, God will provide. I believe God wants us to look at our priorities with our calendars and our checkbooks. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? It's pretty, that, pretty much that simple. It's not putting a value on what you have. It's about being consistent and saying, God, you're number one and you're my source. And so I encourage you this morning, don't worry about how much I should. Just say, God, what, what would you lay on my heart this morning? And it's that easy. And some of you I know, and I've said it before, are not in a place, in a season where you can give. Maybe you're just visiting here. Maybe you're, you're always on the suspicious side. Well, all oh, those preachers, they just want your money. And maybe that's been your experience, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you've had that in your life. And then there's the side of it that, hey, we've got to keep the lights on. We've got to pay the bills. You're part of the ministry. You know, God will provide for the church just like he provides for you. And maybe you're in a season where things are just so hard to give. And that's where I think you should expect a miracle the most. So let it be between you and God. Let it be an act of worship. And don't give with fear. Don't give timidly. Give joyfully, the Bible says. And be excited. Say, I get to give this morning. I thank you, God, for my resources that I'm able to give this morning to you. So, Father, we pray as you lay it on the hearts of people what you would have them give. I pray you lay it on the hearts of the leadership in this church to be good stewards of that holy offering unto you. God, I pray you continue to provide for Mount Zion Church. But I pray this morning for those that are stepping out in faith especially, that God, they're fearful. They see the news. They see what's happening to their bank accounts. They see the cost of groceries and gas and, and it's bringing fear. But we can eliminate that fear with faith. Faith in you, God, to provide. Bless this offering. Bless every one in this room and online this morning whether they're able to give or not bless them give us all a heart of generosity God for you gave it all and we ask you to bless it in the precious name of Jesus amen amen well this morning I want to encourage you as we enter into our time of worship don't waste it 
We don't know if this is the last time we get to gather together to magnify the name of the Lord. Whether it's we're going home to heaven or Jesus is coming back. We don't know. When are we going to get that next opportunity to gather together in one accord, in agreement of who God is? Let's take advantage of his presence. You know how you get in his presence? You search for it. You lean into God. And you say, God, I want you more than anything this morning. I pray, God, that this worship this morning in your presence just changes us. That it does miracles in us. And that, Father, we enter into your presence so we can be changed to be more like you. So we thank you, God, and we enter into your presence together. Let's all stand in the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleasing, that I'm never alone, you're a good, good it's who you are It's who you are It's who you are And I'm loved by you It's who I am It's who I am It's who I am Well, I've seen many searching for Far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide because you know what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. To you are, to you are. Are and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And you're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You Sing your perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You Our love so undeniable I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I can hardly think as you've 
move in faith more ways maybe you've ever stepped out before and worship him this morning with everything there must be more than this oh breath of god come breathe within there must be than this Spirit of God we wait for you Fill us anew we pray Your name comes 
Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place right now. Lord, here we are gathered in your name, your people, called by your name, purchased with your blood, sealed with your spirit. Lord, speak to our hearts this day, Lord. Anoint our pastor, Lord God. Speak through him. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Change our lives this day. Let this day be a day of impact. Let this be a day of destiny, O oh God. We go forth from this place changed and changing for the kingdom of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. Amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. You can give the Lord a praise if you want. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm excited about today. I've been thinking about those. Are, let me just a uh, couple things. First of all, Wednesday, Wednesday nights. You got to come Wednesday nights. You got to come Wednesday nights. You got to come Wednesday nights. It is so great Wednesday nights. First of all, it's just so much more intimate and it's more discussionary. And we really uh, pray for one another, love one another, and learn from the Lord together. It's a wonderful group. I encourage you to come. And that's every Wednesday night. And I got to tell you, it, it, it I. I have a problem on Wednesday nights, and those of you who attend on Wednesday night know my problem. My problem is if I finish my message before the Wednesday night Bible study, I, can't, I get sidetracked, and I want to talk about it so bad about what God showed me this week. That's really my passion. I, 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 I never really knew what a pastor, preacher, evangelist, teacher, never knew any of that stuff. All I, all I knew was from the time that God saved me and I would open his word like like Susan I'd open his word and I didn't understand it but when I did I couldn't wait to share it with somebody I couldn't wait I, I oh God God said this and I couldn't wait and I am blessed that if, if you ask me a favorite thing to do other than spending time with my family seriously in that order God family then this 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 church I am blessed with the opportunity to do one of the things that I love most is learn something and share it. And I am uh, I'm looking for something. 
I don't really know all that I'm looking for, to be honest with you. When it comes to God and it comes to being a pastor of a church, I don't always know what I'm looking for. I want God to be a, a floodlight out in the distance so I can see all that he's got lined up. Instead, his word says he is a lamp in my feet. So I just go to that next step, amen? Just got to get to that next step. Sometimes that next step is really hard. I just got to get to that next step. This morning, I pray the next step for everyone watching online, everyone here this morning. I know that, that you come to church and you come expecting, okay, we'll have some good, good time seeing everybody. We'll take more than five minutes on the meet and greet. We'll have some fun and we'll have some nice worship unless pastor doesn't know how to turn on a microphone. You know, we will, we will gather together and we will hear the word of God and then we'll walk out and go back to our homes. And I pray that today that's not the case. I pray today that you can't get enough of God. That you want more Holy Spirit in your life filling and overflowing. That it spills over into every member of your family, every person in your neighborhood, everybody at your work. And when you go to the store, when you go to Starbucks, you can't help it. You see the lost more than you've ever seen them before. That you stop your car and help the homeless. That you look at people and you see them as in need of Jesus Christ. I was sitting, where was I sitting this week? Uh, and I was just, uh, where were we? I can't, I can't, oh, we were in the, uh, we were in the, uh, we were in the mall. Well, yeah, we were at Folsom. We were in Fol at the outlets yesterday with my daughter, and um, Debbie and I, and, and, and I had to sit down. You know, I've been dealing with some back issues, and, and so they were still, I know, surprised you, taking a long time shopping. And it's, uh, it's really not true with Becca. Becca's a hunter more than a grazer when it comes to shopping. My wife and Alicia are grazers. They want to go out and look at everything. Becca, on a hunt. I got to find it, get it, got to move. But they were taking a long time. And so I sat on this bench outside this one store, just watching people walking by. And it just stirred up, like that song says, stirred it up in my heart. Do they know that any moment Jesus could come back? How many people am I looking at just walking by? Do they know Jesus? And I pray that this morning you have those new eyes as well. That hunger. Why do I want more Holy Spirit? Because I want that boldness that Peter had when he stood up amongst everyone and began to preach in front of the spiritual leaders of the community. I want the boldness that he had, the power that he had, so that I could witness to people the love of Jesus Christ. That's that this should be a refueling station to send you out and go do that. The job of the Spirit of God is to make the truth of God a personal experience and the life of people. I pray you walk out of here today having a personal encounter with God. And if it's not happening, people aren't being saved. People aren't being transformed. The church is not making a statement in the culture. And it's because our relationship to the Holy Spirit is so dumbed down and dull that the Holy Spirit is not free to do His thing. We have dulled Him down to make it more people-friendly. To make Christianity more comfortable. More, more meeting our expectations and keeping Him contained. When Jesus Christ told his disciples to wait on the power from on high, 
Little did they know it would show up on earth like the band Earth, Wind, and Fire. It would ignite something that would not only begin in Jerusalem, but for centuries engulf the planet. Just think of it. Jesus is telling you to wait on my spirit. They had no idea what that was going to look like and what it was going to mean. Can I contend to you today? We have no idea what it's going to look like and what it's going to mean. The question is, are we going to respond to the Holy Spirit? The entrance of the Holy Spirit began the church age. And like I've said over and over again, look, read your Bible. Every, every church in the New Testament is a Pentecostal church. A church that began with Pentecost. It shows in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Many of you have heard me preach from this. Many of you heard me read this before. We're going to do it again. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. Everybody say, one accord. Okay, see, that's it. One accord. You just demonstrated it. They were in one accord in one place. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as a rushy, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. There you are. Earth, wind, and fire. Heaven had brought down earth, wind, and fire. The entrance of the Spirit began on the day of Pentecost, because it was Pentecost, Pente means 50th, and it was from Passover, 50 days from Passover. In the timeline of Israel's history, they were celebrating and recognizing the giving of the Ten Commandments. And as the church was being birthed, we're told that they gathered together in one place. And we're told that suddenly out of nowhere came this huge hurricane or thunderstorm like a tornado coming through. A mighty rushing wind. It didn't say a nice cool breeze. It didn't do like that old uh, song, summer breeze makes me feel fine. It was not a summer breeze. It was a mighty rushing wind. Now, it was so powerful of this wind, it wasn't contained to this one room. It wasn't just contained to the building. People from all over the town heard it. And they went, just like we do, whenever we something weird's going on, we've got to come out and go see what's going on. And that's what was happening. See, we know you can have fire without wind, and you can have wind without fire. But, as we know better than anybody else up here, when wind catches fire, or catches a hold of fire, you've got to run. It's a blaze, and you can't contain it. Do you remember when, when we have fires, how many, how many would look at the, uh, the, uh, either the websites or the apps on your phone that would show which direction the wind was going? I was doing it too. And we would look, and we'd go, okay, we're going to be cool. Forecast shows that. And the next morning you get up and they're evacuating you. 
Because they cannot control the wind. And you don't want fire with wind. We don't like fire with wind. Despite the fact that we just read about it and it was what a really cool thing. But you know why we don't like fire with wind? It's because then we can't control it. And that's why many people don't desire this kind of experience. Because they can't control it. Can't predict it. Can't figure out which way it's going to go and what it's going to do. We're told that when the Spirit came, it came like, and if you look in the original text, it actually says a violent rushing wind accompanied by fiery tongues and that the whole city became aware of it. Notice that the beginning of the church was not tied to a building. This wasn't about the place they were at. Wow, this is a really nice upper room you got here, Peter. This is really cool. This is a good upper room. We should mention that and when we write the Bible and we write the New Testament. Let's make sure we put in that the room was really nice. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that it was tied to an elaborate program. Wow, Peter, the way you run a Bible study and a prayer you know, meeting is really, really good. You have a great program here. Let's make sure when we talk about the Holy Spirit falling, we mention the great program you have. And it also wasn't tied to some super celebrity preacher. You know, make sure when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about how great Peter is. And that it was because Peter was so cool. Let's remember Peter, who he was. Fisherman. Sinking in the water, taking his eyes off Jesus. Seemingly getting every answer that Jesus asked him wrong. Denying Jesus. Falling back. Being so angry, cutting off a soldier's ear. So it was no super celebrity preacher guy. It wasn't tied to any kind of social media presence or TV program, radio broadcast, webcast, podcast, video cast, YouTube video. Instagram, TikTok video. It wasn't tied to any of that. I'll throw in WhatsApp while I'm at it. Because they didn't have that in those days. It wasn't tied to the ability to put on a show or a spiritual entertainment center. What caught the attention of God's people in the house, what caught the attention to the people who are not yet believers outside of the house, was the supernatural invasion of the Holy Spirit. And it is my contention that the Holy Spirit has unfortunately been replaced today with sophisticated 21st century Christianity. We celebrate the facility more than the Holy Spirit. We celebrate human personalities more than the Holy Spirit. We celebrate and replace Jesus and the Holy Spirit with entertainment. And we wonder why is the church not on fire? And if the church isn't on fire, why should anybody pay attention? But they're going to pay attention here in Acts chapter 2 because they have a church that became ablaze suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. 
Yeah, suddenly. Out of heaven, igniting God's people that could not ignore the supernatural entering and invading the natural. That's just not natural. That's weird. I can't control that. That's not what I expected. That's not what I want. It certainly wasn't any of that. Remember what Jesus said in chapter 1 in the book of Acts. He says, I'm going to teach you about the kingdom. He laid it out there. So he teaches what basically the whole book of Acts is all about. Which is about the inauguration of the kingdom of God in history through the mechanism of the Holy Spirit. He teaches us how to do this and what we should expect. And really what he's saying is to expect the unexpected. Expect the supernatural to invade the natural. He's telling us how we should be gathering together. But despite his teaching, and despite the teaching I'm going to give you today, you're going to need the power to go with it. Because information without power is just that. It's for your brain. And it does not ignite your life. No matter how Bible-centered you are, oh, I got this perfectly down, I know this inside and out. No matter how orthodox, oh, the preacher, he respects the, the uh, traditions of the church and does things in a proper way. If there's no spirit power in my life or in your life, then it just becomes information that will soon be forgotten. And there'll be no transformation that ignites a life, a family, a church, or a city. When we need the Holy Spirit, it's supposed to be a transformational environment. This is supposed to be a place where we gather together, love one another in one accord, looking out for each other's needs. The Bible says to restore each other, to lift each other up, and to pray for one another, lay hands on another, and expect the supernatural to invade the natural. Because of the presence of God, because of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Please notice the context of wind and fire hitting earth. Earth, wind, and fire. Notice the environment that was established to make this happen. First of all, the people were being obedient. Holiness, righteousness. Reading this book, seeing what it says, looking at Jesus, and getting rid of the stuff that ain't Jesus. If Jesus wouldn't do it, wouldn't say it, wouldn't preach it, then don't you do it, say it, or preach it, or live it. Jesus told them to go spend time in God's presence. Man, there's a lot of noise in this world. And even when you don't have noise, we've got to put the earbuds in and listen to music. I can't even take a shower without the music on, i got to tell you. We just let too much noise in all the time. He said, go to Jerusalem, and I want you there to wait, wait in the room for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they had to wait. Wait on God. Two types of waiting on God. First one is just wait. Like a waiting room. Waiting for the doctor. You got there on time. You might have even got there early. Of course, he's running late. We sit in that waiting room and complain and complain and complain. It's funny what we'll do for the doctor, what we won't do for Jesus, isn't it? 
I got to leave work early. I got a doctor's appointment. And when you call the doctor, you go, let me um, just tell you a convenient time I can meet with you, doctor. It'd be Saturday about 2 p.m. What do we do? What appointment do you have for me, doctor? What's your earliest appointment you have? And they say, uh, Wednesday at 1 o'clock. You go, I'll be there. And you turn around to your workplace or your family or whatever things you got going on, and you say, listen, I, gotta, I have a doctor's appointment. Everything else must be canceled, and I will go to the doctor. And then we go to the doctor, and we wait. We took all that time off, made all those priorities, and we wait. We finally get into the doctor. And then the doctor says, listen, we got this serious thing that we have to treat. It might be something they have to remove from your body or give you some kind of medication for your body. And you look at him and go, what do I got to do? You tell me, doctor, and I will do it. Well, it might be a little painful. I don't care. I want this out of my body. And then he says, well, this is what you're going to have to do, and you might have to pay for your prescription. You might have to take more time off for some surgery or procedure. You might have to lay in bed and rest. You might have to do this. And you go, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, doctor. But spiritually, hi, pastor. Could you just preach some really nice messages that don't make me feel comfortable? And by the way, I'd love to meet with you on Saturday at 2 p.m. because I can't take any time off. And when we sit in my office, please don't tell me what's wrong and what sin is in my life. Don't tell me what I got to get out. Tell it in a nice way. You need to be there for me whenever I need you. And you need to never criticize me. What's more important, the spiritual health or your physical health? But for some reason, We poo-poo it all. And you know why we do that? Because we don't have the Holy Spirit in our lives convicting us of the things in our lives that we have got to get right. That's why prayer was such an important part of the first church, and it's so important now. Spending time in His presence. They knew what they needed. Earth, wind, and fire from on high. No astrological earth, wind, and fire, but I'm talking about heavenly earth, wind, and fire. Earth, wind, and fire that hit, wind, and fire that hit the earth because the people gathered together in God's presence. They wanted his presence so they could get reality, the re, his reality, Jesus' reality on earth. Let's review something. The job of the Spirit of God is to make the truth of God a personal experience in the life of people and the life of the unbeliever and to convict them of sin and lead them to salvation. I can't stress that enough. If you don't feel this, if you're annoyed right now that, oh, is he going to run a little late? If you're feeling like, well, this really isn't for me. I mean, I'm saved. I don't, I mean, whatever's going on in you right now, have you had a personal experience with the living God? Because if you look in the Bible over and over and over again, and you can ask any believer in this place over and over and over again, it always takes a personal experience with God. Because grandma and grandpa or mom and dad are saved, don't get you to heaven. There are no grandchildren in heaven. God only has children. 
And in the life of the believer to be transformed into the image of God, into the life of the church, when that happens, we are infiltrating the culture with the presence and the power of God. It's not hap- if it's not happening, people aren't being saved, saints aren't being transformed, the church is not making a statement in the culture, it's because the relationship with the Holy Spirit has been dumbed down. It's been dull. And he is not free to do what he does. Let's look at it a little closer. What, if, what else is true of people of God that brought upon this sudden appearance of the Holy Spirit? It says also that they were together in one place. They were all together in one place. Let me say it again. They were together in one place. So let me just bring up a little biblical doctrine called unity. They were on the same page, seeking the same thing, pointed in the same direction. If we could all just gather in one accord, in agreement. Because listen, we as individuals within the church will never see the full force of the wind and the fire on earth and we are refusing to be biblically unified. Satan spends a lot of time in disunity and disunifying us. And you know how he does it? Illegitimately. It's fake and we fall for it. Now there are legitimate bases for disunity. There are. When there's disunity over sin versus unrighteousness or versus righteousness. Over idolatry versus the true God. Over false doctrine, true doctrine. Those are things we should, if if they're serious enough, there should be disunity in that because I got to follow what the scriptures say. But when we get disunified over stupid things like race, class, culture, denominational affiliation, all these non-essentials, it has illegit- it's illegitimate disunity. It's Satan stirring up trouble where there should be no trouble. And he's not the only one. We do it too. When you come into a church and they're gossiping or making up stuff or, or they're, you know, they're, they're not going to speak to that person. They don't like that person. They don't deal with that. All this illegitimate disunity. So what the enemy has done to disunify us is he's done it under illegitimate means. That's why it's so important for us here at Mount Zion and any church to listen to Ephesians 4 chapter 3 to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Because if we don't, we won't have spiritual presence of God. And if you don't have the spiritual presence, you won't experience spiritual power. And if you don't experience spiritual power, you won't see transformation. You won't see impact. You won't see change. You won't see growth. You'll just have church. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just have church. I don't want to have just the normal thing every Sunday. I want the God to come in suddenly and impact my natural with his supernatural Now let's read into Acts chapter 4. Peter had just been uh, intimidated. Peter and John were intimidated by these leaders, these spiritual leaders, because of their stance on Jesus Christ. 
Remember, these guys used to be scared. These guys used to be afraid. These guys used to be intimidated. But now they're being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so they're not scared anymore. And they're being threatened by the leaders. And it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31, it says this. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. They're all talking the same thing. All of them speak in the same language in one accord. It means agreement. They're in the same page. They're unified. And it goes on and says, And so, when they heard that, they raised their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David had said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against Christ. Verse 27. For truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And what was the result of that? Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Wait a minute. That's not Acts chapter 2. That's Acts chapter 4. The church has already been established. But the same principle is there. Unity. The same presence of the Holy Spirit did what? Shook things up. And they were what? In the place where they were gathered. That's where it was shaken. Notice they did while what notice they did it. They were all praying in one accord. Based on God's word. They had the psalm that right there, David said this. And God, we are in one accord reading your word. The Holy Spirit showed up and took over the atmosphere. And that's the problem we have today. We have an atmospheric problem. We have an air-conditioned building. We have heaters that half of them work. We have a great atmosphere in here, but it it can be void of the Holy Ghost. And because we don't have enough of the Holy Spirit owning the atmosphere, we don't see stuff shaking. We don't see the supernatural intervening. We don't see the transformational work of God. Let me tell you what happens when the wind and the fire mix. Jesus told Nicodemus in chapter 3, verse 8, he said this, the wind blows where it will. What he was telling him is you don't know. You're not going to know how the Holy Spirit shows up. You're not going to get to know how he's going to shake things up. Because it's unpredictable 
by human means. Sometimes the wind blows east, west, north, south. Sometimes in the middle, sometimes in one direction, it comes from another direction. So think about God. You can't predict what he's going to do. How he's going to do it. Through he's going to do it too. Huh. When he's going to do it. How, why he's going to do it. How big he's going to do it. Because he's the wind. He's unpredictable. So stop trying to put God in a box and deciding what he can and cannot do. When the wind blows fire, that fire can jump over here and jump over there. You never know. That's why, that's why we need this atmosphere of the Holy Spirit to have the freedom to suddenly set things on fire. To shake up the room where you are. Why would the Holy Spirit come to a place where people are going to put a cap on them? Why would the Holy Spirit show up if there are people here today who go, well, that's not how I want God to work. So let me just say a little word about church. Because you have a lot of Christians who say, I don't need church. And let me explain something to all of you who believe that. You need church. A little bit more than you think. Because you can only get so much out of the Holy Spirit as an isolated Christian. Let me word it this way. It is our Father who art in heaven, not my Father who art in heaven. You belong. The Bible says in 10.24, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But you say, I don't need church to go to heaven. You're absolutely right. But you need church for heaven to join you. Now, I'm not talking about times when we have a sabbatical, so to speak, like Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Anna have just had, and we're going to hear next week. I'm very excited to hear what God did through their time where they needed to kind of regroup after having all them babies. And they needed to kind of build that firm foundation. And I'm excited to hear from them. But right now, here we are, still on earth. Notice what it says, when the Holy Ghost came, it said there appeared to them, in verse 2, tongues as fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Each one of them. So the individual got hot because they were tied to all of them being together. The tongues of fire just resting on each one of them, and then they're starting to rub off on each other. And when you, and let me just, who have you rubbing off on lately spiritually? Are you so much on fire that people are getting hot next to you and feel the heat? Let me look at it this way. When you use charcoal briquettes, you pile them all up together. You've got to have every one of them touching one another. And you pour at least one full bottle of lighter fluid on it. And it, ne it never fails. You light it and it goes, right? And then I get my eyebrows out of the way. And there's always that one briquette. Isn't that true? Isn't it true? It always falls off. And what happens to it? Nothing. Nothing. It'll sit there, black as can be, no heat, warmth, no use, no nothing. But the pile, touching each other, being together, that's on fire. That can cook, you can cook with. That works. 
Then it says they were, on verse 4, filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they're speaking in tongues. Now, Acts chapter 2, the speaking of tongues, was speaking basically in a human language. We know, I know there's a, a, a little bit of a debate about that, but we look at what we see in his word in that point. We see that the people were understanding it. They were amazed that they could understand things in their own language. Verse 11, it said, we hear them in our own tongues. So they're speaking human languages. In other words, the supernatural took over something that was not natural to them. What has God been trying to invade with supernatural into your natural, but you're just making you uncomfortable? And they spoke in other foreign languages. Now, this is not the time to go into how it relates to the 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where it talks about praying in tongues, where it talks about a spiritual language. And if you have communication with God in your private time, it's between you and God. But we're talking about a public declaration and a public declaration of your faith and your needs to be understood. And your public declaration needs to be understood by members of the other church, of your church. That's why it even talks about if you're going to speak in an unknown tongue, that you need to have a translator. You need to have an interpreter to know what the world you're talking about. But we are not doing... Why, why aren't we seeing these unnatural things happen? Things that are natural to us, operating outside of the box of our regular Christianity. And I want to see a supernatural unleashing of God. Why aren't we seeing it? Because we are not full of the Holy Spirit. We'll let the Holy Spirit maybe come up this much. But it starts getting a little uncomfortable here. I might have to change if it goes here. I might have to give a, stand up and give a testimony if it goes here. I might have to lead someone to Jesus here. God has disrupted the church. God has disrupted the church. And he's trying to do a divine reset. He says, I don't want more programs, more personalities. I want more Holy Ghost operating in this church so that earth can have wind and fire from heaven. Amen? It says that they spoke, and the impact was great. But there's a warning that comes with all this. And look out, all you people are a little uncomfortable this morning, thinking God's getting a little weird. First Seth Seth, Seth the. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says it this way. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Anytime something happens out of the natural, we can quench it just by going, if if this was real spiritual, someone would have to give a translation for, meh. Let me tell you what it is. I don't believe that. Quenches means to put out a fire. You put pour water on a fire to dull the flame. His birthing. Jesus is trying to birth something here. The Holy Spirit's trying to birth something here. And he says, Don't put it out. Don't stop. You have a Uh, You have that all throughout the book of Acts. It says when Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 13, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And so he started being bold in his speech. We're told that Peter in Acts chapter 4, where he's full of the Holy Spirit, he is bold in his declaration. 
We're told when, when the first deacons in Acts chapter 6, when they were needed to work to be done, they had to solve this racial cultural problem between the Greek and the Hebrew. They were speaking to the Jewish widows. They had to solve a problem. So where did they go? They went to the men who were filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we got a big problem. We need a big Holy Spirit. We need some Spirit-filled leaders. I love what the author of Hebrews says. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. We just sang about it. He's a consuming fire. It doesn't say he's just a fire. He didn't say it's a really hot fire. He didn't say it's a really bright fire. It eats everything up. It consumes. He's talking about the Old Testament sacrificial system. When they would put an animal on the altar to slay it for the temporary placating of God's wrath against sin. It was this Old Testament. This is why I love it. One preacher put it this way. I'll share it with you. It was the Old Testament layaway plan until Jesus could come to be the permanent sacrifice. Put it on the altar. Then the fire of the altar would consume it. So let's get something straight. Unless you put it on the altar, the fire had nothing to consume. Unless you put it on the altar, the fire had nothing to consume. Steve, if you could come back up. Thank you. So if you're not on the altar, if you're not on the everybody say, me? Yeah, you. If you're not on the altar, the fire of God's Holy Spirit cannot consume you. So you may not feel like going to the altar. You may not feel like being consumed by the Holy Ghost fire. But if, if you just trust me in that, if you let the fire burn, the good news that's going to come out of it is a new experience in the presence of God. Individually, in your home, most certainly in the church, so we can set the fire to the culture. In Acts chapter 2, the church looked good because it was burning up with fire. It was being blown by the wind. The Holy Ghost was there. And he wants to give everyone, everyone, a new song to sing. And you'll be able to sing a song. And you'll know what it is to be lit up by the Holy Ghost. You'll be able to say, let's grow spiritually now in our impact into our community. I want a church on fire so the culture will have to say, what is going on at Mount Zion Church? There is a tornado happening out there. I can't explain it. It's not natural. And you know what it's called? It's called the anointing. Every Christian has the anointing. If you are saved, you possess it, you own it, it's there. The anointing is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit designed to do His work in your life. So it's going to be uncomfortable. That's why we're called born again. We got to reckon the old man dead. That was born of flesh. Now God wants to birth in you spirit.
That's why Jesus says, come to me as a little child. Because when you're born again and you're a child, what are you, a sponge? You suck it all in. You're so excited about every new thing you learn. You apply things differently. You do things differently because you're growing. And it isn't always comfortable. I tell parents of teenagers all the time, especially parents who complain, and, and I've done it. Why is my kid sleeping all the time? Why is my kid in a bad mood for no reason whatsoever? And a lot of times it's because a child, like, like a young child especially, they can grow up to an eighth of an inch to a quarter of an inch overnight. That would be exhausting for anybody. Puberty is exhausting for the parents and the kids. But when those bones ache, a kid can't tell you, oh, I grew a quarter of an inch last night. I'm just feeling a little achy. I think you take the day off. No, they're just being jerks and they're being lazy. And you know, we, we, we don't, aren't sensitive to that growth. Oh, Lord. Oh, hear me, church. We need to be sensitive to those baby Christians. We need to be sensitive to the lost and their growth. There are people that are going to be mean to you and say stupid things and be cranky and I don't know it. It's growing pains. Oh, we can walk them through it. Amen. We can walk them as a church through those growing pains in life. That life has just beat them down and hurt them. It's like I don't understand people how they get go through life without their church family. When tragedy hits, the loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of something, some kind of loss, where do you go? Who do you turn to? When you've been knocked down, when you've been bullied, when you've been fired or whatever it is, and you want to be lifted up, where do you go without the church? I want to sing a new song. So you've got to give the anointing a chance. Put it first. You've got to take the written word and be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. And then let's just see what God brings up in your life. On the day of Pentecost, the wind and the fire of God showed up. The power of heaven was made manifest in the Spirit's presence. And guess where the Spirit is now? He's inside each and every one of us. So the things that look like they can never be shattered in your life and in our world, hmm, once the power of the Holy Spirit shows up, once he demonstrates and he's in the vicinity, he can change rock-hard hearts. He can change any circumstance. He can build roads of progress in our lives in spite of how heavy the load looks and how strong the resistance appears to be. The power of God can cut through anything that you're facing when the wind and the fire show up. The Holy Ghost will make His presence known. How? Well, we waited on Him. We called on Him. We trusted on Him. And we looked in heaven for Him. And He will demonstrate that He can build a road in the wilderness. And He can build it in a way that none of the power around us can stop us from making progress. He cannot... The devil cannot stop whom he has called. And when that happens, you change the world from Pine Grove.
Let's stand to our feet this morning. I encourage you to want more of God this morning. There's some of you today that maybe have never... And and I understand, sometimes you don't come to an altar because you might be able to get down on your knees. But getting back up might be another thing. And I understand that. Some of you are uncomfortable coming to an altar because you're not ready to let go of that thing that God has been trying to burn. Keep holding on to it because it's comfortable, feels good, feels right. But I just want you to be aware, sometimes you don't need anything to be, you can be in your car and that can be your altar. You can be in the shower, that can be your altar. You, you can be here at church, we designate this area as an altar. But really, anything that you see in your life that's not of God, put it on an altar at some point. Put it on the altar of God. Let Him consume it. So we're going to pray in just a minute. But I'm going to throw a monkey wrench here a little bit. I want to do consuming fire one more time. And during that song, you might not want to sing. That's okay. Maybe you want to worship a little differently. Maybe you want to come to your knees here and pray. Pray for one another. Place something on the altar that you want God to change in your life. I'm going to allow that to happen between you and God this morning. Wherever you're at, make it an altar. Some of you physically need to do that. You need to bow. Why do we bow on our knees at altar? Why do we do that? We're doing it saying, you're God. You're above me. And I bow to you. You're doing it out of reverence and awe and acknowledgement of your position versus his position. And then sometimes I do this. I do this. Sometimes I, go, I imagine that thing in my life that's, that I need to have consumed. And I, I picture it like in my hands. And I literally will just lay it down. I just place it there and say, God, consume that. Don't let me ever touch that again. In fact, remove it from me. Consume it. Consume it so it's never in my life again. So this morning, I want us to sing that song, and we're going to allow you time at the altar with Jesus. So come on, join me this morning. There must be more than this. Oh, breath of God, come breathe within. There must be more than this. Spirit of God, be wait for you. Fill us anew, we pray. Fill us anew, we pray. Consuming fire, fan into flame. Passion for your name. God, you fall in this place, Lord, have your way, Lord, have your way with us. Come like a rushing wind, clothe us with power from on high. Now set the captives free, leave us abandoned to your praise. Lord, let your glory 
walk out today let it not be like any other Sunday or any other day Lord let it be a transformational day 
day that we mark. It was that day in March where God met me personally. It was that day in March I laid it on the altar. It was that day in March where I reckoned the old man dead. It was that day in March when the Holy Spirit fell like a rushing wind. And I couldn't control it. I gave the Spirit freedom stir it up. And as you go, I'm going to give you one more word of the Lord this morning. It's not a silly one. I know it sounds funny, but it's not. If you've ever owned a goldfish or any kind of fish in your house, and you've ever had to clean that, that fish bowl, if you've ever had to do that, it can look really nice. It can look really nice. Until somebody stirs it up. And all that stuff comes up. And it's the only way you can truly clean it. And so this morning I encourage you, as you go out, you just let God stir it up. Stir it up. You may not like it, may not look good, might sound good, smell good, anything. But you give it to God and let Him burn it at the altar. Father God, thank you for today. Stir it up in our hearts. Let us walk out of here different than and transformed than ever before and send your rushing wind into each one of our hearts and our homes and in this church. We ask you to do so in the mighty name of Jesus and the church of God said, Amen. God bless you this morning. Have a great, great rest of your day. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thank you.